Yes, we are. Okay, uh, here we are. Hi, I'm James Van Ozzel. Look at that. What's up, Chicago? You've seen him on the Showtime show, The Shy, and now he's eating food in my car. That's the natural progression. If you have a hit cable TV show, uh, really the next step up is eating a a wrap, a veggie wrap in in the car. And these little tomato packet, uh, ketchup packet things, just squeezing them out. So we're going to start recording the podcast here, Carco and Carney, in in a couple seconds. Uh, I should mention, I got here... 90 minutes early, and I got here early specifically so I could catch up on the shy, on Showtime, on my <laughs> Galaxy S8 phone. I was watching on my phone because I'm on the Boost Mobile Network, uh, crystal clear service. I'm able to stream anything I want, so I pulled up my Amazon Prime uh, video app, and I, I watched it because Showtime... I just found it. out it's on Prime too, right? Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it's um, so yeah, so I was watching the shy on my Galaxy phone, which is on Boost Mobile, boostmobile.com. They're everywhere, in and around Chicago. Go stop by. Uh, so, yeah, Mickey O'Sullivan's here. We're going to record a podcast. Woo! Uh-huh. Mickey, Mike, Sully, Shithead, um, Mickey Pockets, whatever you, however you know me. I'm going to go with Mickey. Yeah, that's good. It's Car Con Carne. Let's eat in the car. It's Car Con Carne. You know, today's a really exciting day because not long before we started recording, we officially became Facebook friends. Yeah, we did about an hour ago. This shit's serious. <laughs> <laughs> it is no longer complicated. It is very straightforward. Look at that. You know that guy. Oh, yeah. What's up, Anthony? Anthony Perez. Oh, uh, my The world-famous band Black Bear Rodeo. He's so watching. good. All right. So before we started recording, uh, Mickey mentioned that we had a mutual friend, uh, Anthony from Black Bear Rodeo, a band who's been a guest on this show, which again proves... My fundamental belief that you should never be a dick to anyone because everyone knows each other. Truth. How was I to know that you would know that fabulous local band from the Oaklawn area? And you oh did. yeah, Spartans represent. Spartans represent. <laughs> All, right. All right. So we're recording this outside the Golden Apple. Mickey, as God is my witness, I've driven past this place for about thirty years. <laughs> I've never been inside. It's a twenty-four hour diner, uh, right over by Southport and Wellington. Uh huh. Right on Lincoln Avenue. This is this has been your de facto office, your base of operations for a really long time. Yeah, you walked in on me uh, doing some office work. Um, yeah, you had the laptop all spread out. <laughs> yeah, make yourself comfortable. It's all good. Yeah, they, these these folks took me in. Uh, they didn't know it. I just was having a conversation with the owner. But I was living out of my Jeep like a block and a half away from here. I was doing Henry Moore's melting with uh, cold basement traumatics. And uh, Wait, did, you, were, you were literally living out of your Jeep? Yeah. <laughs> like instead of a house or well, an apartment? Or, I was working at a restaurant in the southwest suburbs, um, and I couldn't afford the gas to get um, to rehearsals. Oh, man. So uh, I ended up just, I, I got fired for some reason. I forget. I think uh, I for got. For being too handsome. No, no, no. I, I was eating a shake a day. That's what it was. I, I was eating a shake a day, probably more than a shake a day. I had that like chocolate cake shake over at Portillo's. Oh yeah, which and is uh, yeah, yeah. Come like on. a thousand million calories, uh-huh. right? So I probably got diabetes real fast, uh, <laughs> and I got really sick and I couldn't show up to work for like two weeks, and I was literally in a coma in my bedroom, not in a coma. Um, so not literally. Not literally, yeah. but literally, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, and so, yeah, I couldn't afford the gas to get back and forth from Chicago to Oak Lawn. Oh, man. So I 
and you know, like when you're a 20 something actor and you're like, I'm going to be working odd hours and uh, not being able to support myself. Really, you can't really pay your mom rent. She needs somebody to right. be paying rent over at her place. So I came up here um, and I just lived out of my Jeep for a little while. And uh, then I went to L.A., came back, and I did the same thing until a family in Lincolnwood saved my ass. But these Link- guys were my is lovely, family. by the way. Yeah, it's beautiful, it's isn't lovely. it? Yeah. The Cormaliths. What's up, Cormaliths? You got Holy for Holies over on Tui Avenue, fine Mexican food. Mm-hmm. They got Sparkies over there. Have you been to the Sparkies? Uh, the, the, the diner, like the truck stop diner on Ocean yeah, Street. so cool. They, they have, whatever money Sparkies has made from selling... <laughs> patty melts they have not reinvested into the restaurant no no and I hope they never do right? it really is there, the charm it does have a charm place. right there are a lot of hard landings there in that clientele are there yeah I, 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 what do you yeah. mean um, I don't know some some tough stories I think some tough backstories at that counter uh, absolutely actually the first time I went there was a really sad day um, a friend of mine had lost their father oh jeez and the friend that took me in was like hey you know this person you love this person you should come with me and we had a conversation over breakfast that was just like the, the most personal and intimate conversation you can ever have while you're at Sparky's, yeah. you know. But now lifelong friends, you know. So we got food from your home away from home, the Golden yeah. Apple. Uh, I got the uh, Monte Cristo. I didn't even see it on the menu, but I just assumed a place like this has to have a Monte Cristo. Mm-hmm. Like there are just there are rules to places like this. They have to have a Monte Cristo. They have to have a Reuben. They have to have uh, a patty melt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, if I the, dug far enough, I'm sure I'd find a Frank and Cheesy. I think there is one in there, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I ordered my sandwich, and the waitress said, what kind of soup would you like? And I asked what kind of soups <laughs> they had. Uh, it's cream of mushroom, chicken noodle, and French onion. And I went with French onion because I believe nothing would be more attractive than eating French onion soup while on Facebook Live. And look at it. <laughs> uh, hold it. What did you get? You got something? Yeah. I got the Sunset Wrap here. Um, it's a deli- on spinach. Well, I can't even do this, right? That's good enough. Um, and you should see my shirt. I think I've already got a few stains on it, oh, which yeah. is just typical. That, that's what you do here. That's me, you know. Um, but no, yeah, the soup uh, is really good here. This is what kept me warm while I was sleeping in my... So my strategy, soup. Mickey, I'm going to ask you a question. Yeah. I'm going to try to make it a question that requires a long answer. Oh, shit. So, <laughs> so I can really try to eat this soup. And I may, as um, as you start to answer, I may slowly slide out of the frame to fart or no because i'm going to be eating this messy soup with these giant like croutons and let's get messy you know let's get messy all right so let's talk about the shy that is in the present Mm -hmm. with you uh the series really just started yep we're six episodes in right and uh you're right there in the pilot if you if you want to start binging on showtime on amazon you can um your character chef dan yeah just in our brief interactions with Chef Dan so far, seems to have a big chip on his shoulder. Oh, really? You think so? That was actually what a coach of mine in hockey told me, Tom Rusk. Uh, they gave me the award right at the end of the season awards, like the biggest chip on your shoulder. <laughs> so maybe you were typecast. Maybe, yeah. What do you mean by that? What do you mean by chip on your shoulder? You got an attitude. Um, oh, yeah, but, sure. Well, you, uh, the, the cooks were preparing sushi, and they found a shark in one of the fish. You're like... Do we fucking prepare a shark? Uh, just serve the damn thing, or I, I, whatever you said. It was just yeah, so that was such that a mean, short-tempered. Right. Yeah, but like, my thought is this: if you're running a restaurant, if you're the exec chef of a restaurant, your the whole thing is about managing the, the, your 
your kitchen staff, you know, making sure that people are staying on top of uh, their stuff so that when they pass it on to somebody else's responsibility, that person is able to do their job really well. And so it's like, uh, if you got people who are trying to work up in the business or, you know, um, you know, you're challenging them, you're saying you can do better than this. You could, and you don't really have a lot of time in the kitchen, you know? True enough. I have a more important question. Yeah, give it to me. Why is this soup so delicious? <laughs> this is the golden apple, baby. Everything's delicious. Dude, this is really good. <laughs> uh, and then uh, I think next time we saw you on the shy, you were late for work. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're, you're all pissed off. A fucking Prius almost Fucking guy you. in a fucking Prius almost <laughs> fucking cut me off, almost fucking killed me. So, all right, so for people who are jumping into the show, I, I'm doing a bad job of explaining it. No. What, what is Shift Dan all about? Uh, Shift Dan's all about making... Uh, Getting the best out of his employees and getting the best out of his restaurant, and uh, you know he's not—he's a, a chef, uh, and I think that's something that we figure out with uh, chefs in general is that like they might be really good at cooking, but they've got to also have a lot of other skills like um, people skills, soft skills, right? And maybe Chef Dan's working on his soft skills, and maybe his employees are going to bring out uh, more opportunities to learn from that. One of the things I read over and over about the shy is how intertwined everything is how everything is kind of building towards something Uh i'm assuming you'll get roped into something big as we we'll find out i guess right james that's a good tease it's a good tease (laughs) you like my long answer perfect so as we're uh recording this the podcast episode won't be available for another week and a half or so the facebook live is in the moment and the facebook live is running on february 21st you're on this coming weekend you're on the you're in the next yeah yeah we're uh, we're gonna coming up um uh, spoiler alert, so anybody who hasn't watched uh, the, up until the last episode, just close your ears and close your eyes, I guess, for a few seconds. Don't log out, because that'll <laughs> screw with the algorithm. I'll do it while I have pickles on my eyes, because why not? Um, so, so you don't get this on Showtime. Yeah, this is just, you know, this is actually a little ritual. No, it's not. So uh, I look like a pirate. You do. Um, so at the end of the last episode... Uh, I sent Jason Mitchell's character, Brandon, out to do a party. We put his food on the menu. And after the party, um, my wife and him went to his uh, mother's uh, wedding party. And uh, some some things happened that I don't really know much about, but I imagine uh, will come to a head. Hmm. That's pickle juice. That's awful. Don't ever do that at home. Yeah, I don't know what you're trying to prove, but you proved it. (laughs) Job well done. We should probably take a step back. I, I'm talking like everyone knows what the shy is. It's yeah. a new show. Explain the shy. Multi-protagonist story about um, a group of people from the south side of Chicago um, just trying to, you know, make it in, in life. And uh, it starts off with a really uh, headline-esque Chicago mm-hmm. south side story. Well, it starts innocently enough. <laughs> and, then, and then shit breaks bad almost immediately. Almost immediately, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, they, uh, it's a, as if... So you take a shooting on the south side, most of what we hear on the news, right, is, you know, four dead on the south side, and then, you know, it'll go on to whatever's next, you know. They'll throw tags on there, like gig violence or, you know, whatever it is that they throw on there to get people to watch and stay tuned Mm -hmm. to the news. But what this show does is it pulls back the camera from that one little incident, and it shows everything that surrounds it. It shows the whole um, community, and, you know, it shows uh, the the family that lives next door, right? And, like, gun, gun violence 
what I'm learning as well, and I think what the country is learning is that gun violence isn't just the victims of it aren't just the people who the family that was shot. The um, oh, there's a ripple effect. It's everybody, right? Mm-hmm. The the guy who chose to grab a gun and solve a problem with a gun, the fact that he thought that that was the option, he's a he's a victim of gun violence too, you know, like. Right. And so what it does is it pulls back and it says, this is not just the story. These are human beings um, who have very interesting, uh, complicated, uh, relatable lives. And, uh, yeah, it just kind of examines how one little event um, can have a ripple effect on a community and, um, you know, change, alter, empower, uh, do all sorts of different things for different people in the story. Um, And I come in with uh, one of the characters um brandon is an aspiring chef who works at a restaurant called trestling crane um where i and uh my wife sarah who's played by christina emerson um, who's amazing and awesome uh yeah, we run Maybe this you should restaurant marry her in real life <laughs> no my girl would be pretty pissed about oh, yeah, that yeah. <laughs> um but we run the restaurant and we have uh, brandon mitchell and or jason mitchell and steve casillas what's up steve um, he's another Columbia grad. Um, he's in the Columbia? kitchen. Yeah. Yeah, he's a good guy. I went to Columbia. We're alums. No I kidding? I don't even know what the mascot is. Well, yeah, the season uh, two showrunner, Ayana Davis, is also an alum of Columbia as well. I taught at Columbia Wave. for a year or two. How was that? Um, what did you teach? Radio. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't even think the radio department exists anymore. Did you get a degree in radio? Bachelor arts. Hey, good for you. Liberal arts. I never finished mine. We're working on that. Yeah. <laughs> the great thing about Columbia College, I don't think I took a math class in order to graduate. See, that's why I failed. Yeah. You need to turn your degree back in. I, no, no, I don't. Um, that's Mike, by the way. What's that's up? Mike, Mike, Michael Sano. Hey. All right, so that kind of ex- that, that's a good elevator pitch. And what I like about The Shy, from what I've seen so far, again, it's a new show. Um, there's social commentary, but it's not being jammed in your face. No, there, there are messages there. You're right about the setting up um, a story, like. It's very hard to tell a multi-protagonist story. So, um, yeah, protagonist is uh, what, what's your best way of describing it? I'd say the hero, the hero of the story, mm-hmm. right? And so, if you have multiple heroes of the story, and then you're not just using devices and stuff to um, to uh, enhance the pro- one protagonist story mm-hmm. or like really bring to light this one person's. It's complicated, right? Like if there are multiple heroes, then how do you have a, uh, an antagonist? What is the antagonist? Who's the person that's challenging that and what if it's not just a person what if it's a, a city what if it's mm-hmm. uh, economics what if it's economics because of people um, so it, it's very complicated and the fact that uh, Lena Waithe even like not only tried to and successfully is telling that story but is setting it up and you know, I remember an interview with her saying like this is season one you know be patient with us and I watched it and I was like I mean I don't really need to be patient with you this is great right yeah. now but I know what she's saying is she's like we're trying to figure this out. We're doing something different here. And, uh, you know, we're trying to figure out how to best tell those stories, how to set mm-hmm. those stories up. And it's not always as uh, TV sometimes can be really like you want to have everything done in the pilot. Right. Um, so that you're, you know, successful as hell straight out the, the gate. People forget that Breaking Bad was slow out of the gate. Oh, yeah. And most shows are, most mm-hmm. good shows are because they have to set up some really solid storylines. Story mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. We, we got to do this. All right. So, James... Um, being the uh, amazing host that he is. That's me. He intru- is introducing us to Zesty Blood Orange Diet Coke. Sponsor. Yeah, they've got all these new flavors. They've got like ginger, lime, 
Uh, they've got like a wild cherry. Cheers. Cheers. Chicago. Did I just get Diet Coke on you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you did. But like I said, this is all stained. It's like christening a battleship. It's the hardest thing about being on set is forgetting that, um, <laughs> like, I, I choose not to eat because I'm just going to get stains all over my wardrobe and the wardrobe people hate me. I have to write two thank you letters instead of one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's like a, like, almost like a spiciness to it. Like a, there is. Like a cayenne-ish thing going on. It's not, yeah, it's not quite as refreshing as orange no. or Coke is. Uh, I don't know how I feel about this. It's not bad. I don't know, Coke. What do you think? You know, yeah, this uh, is... anybody else drink this? I, I've had the ginger lime. That's delicious. All right, what so I got the Monte Cristo. Here, feel. Can you feel mm. how? Oh, that's heavy. Yeah, that's that's solid right there. Uh huh. So I'm gonna crack this open. Oh, there we oh, go. Oh yeah. I love it. I love diner food. <laughs> like I, I'm really glad you chose this. This is perfect, Mike. I, I can't eat all this. Do you want to have a sandwich? Sure. All right. Here, grab. There's no eggs on it. Really. Hey, you want a pickle? Uh, <laughs> are you serious? Yeah. Uh, the bread yeah. is definitely fried in eggs. It Here. looks nice. <laughs> Thank you, but uh-huh. no. Okay. You can have some of my mic. Oh, no, I'm good. I'm good. I we, we, so am I. We want Mike to eat. Mike, right, come on. Here. All right, I'll have a small piece. Just don't eat that pickle that's been on my eye. All right, so you mentioned Lena Waithe. I don't know where your eye's been. Lena Waithe is the visionary behind this. Yeah, she's the creator of the show. So everything I've read about her says she's amazing, visionary, mm-hmm. oh, my God. Is that your experience? Yeah, I've never met anybody like her. Um, and I've read a lot about, you know, different people who are doing really amazing things. And there are amazing showrunners and amazing creators out there. Um, but uh, definitely feeling, like, pretty blessed to be a part of something that she's created. Uh, to be chosen to, to, you know, do something with her is, like, feeling like a good uh, human, you know. Like I did something right in my uh, life. <laughs> All right, so we're, we're doing this on Facebook Live. I'm going to stop the Facebook Live. We're going to continue the conversation on Carcon Carne. Uh, we'll talk about Mickey's Chicago roots. We'll talk about how you got on the shine. Yeah. We'll talk about what's next, and we'll talk more about food and other stuff. Yeah, uh, and uh, just plug a, finish off that thing on Lena. Lena just got a um, TBS pilot as well. She's, um, of course, working hard on season two. Um, she was just on This Is Us. She's done so many interviews lately, and mm. um, just a, a wealth of knowledge, experience, grace, faith, the whole thing. She's terrific. Um, she is Chicago. Yeah. Love it. Thank you for watching on Facebook Live. Watch the shy. Woo! All right, so you went outside, had a little smoke. I wolfed down my Monte Cristo, <laughs> which was delicious. So good. There's there's nothing like diner food. What uh, is the story of Monte Cristo again? It's it's like uh, ham and... <laughs> it's, like, it's like French toast and... <laughs> It's uh, it's glory in a sandwich, right? It's just it's just delicious. Why ask questions? Why are you so nosy? Why you gotta uh, know everything? I just put you on the spot there. That was really yeah. shitty. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm a fucking Monte Cristo expert. <laughs> Nikki O'Sullivan from the Shy needs to know everything. Oh yeah, pull out the Google machine. No, we're putting the Google machine away. We're not gonna get yeah. any answers from there. All right, so tell me. We'll go back into you know your start and rolling through Chicago, but yeah. how did you end up on the Shy? Yeah, so uh, I went away to Minnesota last year, um, like late winter, uh, to do some creative work. And as soon as uh, any actor can tell you this, as soon as you leave Chicago or as soon as you leave LA or uh, New York or whatever, is the minute that people are like, "Oh, will you come and audition for this?" And like you can go <laughs> through like a month period where you don't see nothing. And uh, so of course that happened. I was like, "Well, I could tape at the hotel tonight." 
Um, and they were like, no, 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 just wait. We'll see you tomorrow morning when you get in. And I was like, okay. So I uh, did work in the morning, and then I flew back down here, and I auditioned. And um, uh, so after that, you know, you get a you get a callback, and you get put on hold. And this went on for, like, five months. Which sounds it. agonizing. It does, but, like, at the same time, you're, like, super psyched. You're like... Uh, I'm in contention for the, yeah. this this awesome role and this awesome project, but yeah, you you go back and you're like, you know, you go back in and you do something and they put you on hold and, and they ask you like a question like uh, I think it was like, uh, are you uh, okay to shave your arms? And I was like, yeah, sure, cool, shave your arms. They wanted to do like tattoos or something, and then they're like, sorry, we gotta release you. And I was like, well, what's the right answer there? You know what I mean? <laughs> but this happens all the time, you know, and they're going through their top three or top four, whatever, however many awesome actors are up for this role. And that went on for a really long time. And, uh, you know, long, very long story short, um, I booked the role after like five months and started shooting on July 3rd um, with an awesome uh showrunner um elwood reed pulled me in he was like dude i've been trying to cast you for ages and i was like yes thank you you're my uh you're my rock and then david rodriguez um uh just was he's one of the directors of the show i'm one of the episodes also a producer and he was like uh he was like the dad on set for me he was like you know everything's gonna be okay if david's running around doing stuff you know and because no matter what you do in any industry you have mentors throughout totally yeah and they don't even know that you're they're your mentor yet you know what i mean exactly um so yeah i got on set and uh you know after like five and a half months of you know doing it or whatever you're you're not sure what what worked Mm -hmm. what what they responded well to so um he brought us in the first rehearsal we did. It was a closed set rehearsal, and they do this very rarely, where they're like, uh, "Only the people who need to be in this uh, scene are going to be in this scene." Mm-hmm. And it was just so that we could all feel comfortable and relaxed and uh, I get that safe. Yeah, and that made all the difference in the world to me, you know. And uh, my buddy Steve Casillas, um, he brought me in. He already knew most of the cast, and they had already been filming, and so he introduced me to everybody. And I had worked with a bunch of. Uh, folks uh, who are either like on the crew or um, PAs or whatever on different Chicago shows. So when I walked in, I felt like I was walking back into family, you know. And that that's a good thing when you're when you're walking oh, in, and you know a lot of people. And I think that's a very Chicago thing, you know. Like you <laughs> yeah. can get out to LA, and there's so many different sets and so many different studios that you're lucky, I guess, if you recognize people or if people you know know your name. Right. Not because of some tabloid thing either, you know, but. Um, but because you've worked with them before and, you know, they like working with you, hopefully. So when you first read for it, yeah. did you know this was as good as it is? Like, did you get the sense just reading that script, like, oh, my God, I, I, I need to be part of this? Yeah. Um, not not from, you know, my sides, but, you know, like, definitely I, I appreciated how complex it was. Like, I saw there was a line in there that, uh, where I was going through um, it's in the pilot and I was going through like an order and we had to pay for an order um, of food that was getting delivered right um, like supply like vegetables or greens or whatever and the next line is um, shit okay and then he moves on with another question I was like well that's a chef right there thinking on their feet yeah, like yeah. saying okay so if we can't afford this what can we afford um, and what can I improvise with and I didn't know if I could really get that across that the, that a person is thinking that much, but it seemed to me that everybody had these 
deep, complex thoughts that they're bringing to decisions, and they're doing it in a fucking flash. <laughs> and usually it's not that complex, I feel like, when you're reading a TV side. Uh, you're reading something that's like, oh, that's a pretty no-brainer decision, or it's a um, decision that you know your uh, your day player makes, and it's just to serve the protagonist. And I didn't feel like that with this, and so it made every scene important and special. Um, and you see certain things writing-wise where you're like, they just uh, released the shy, the pilot, the script um, available in Los Angeles at the uh, Library of not Congress, but um, Maybe it's at the Library of Congress. I don't know. I don't know. But you can go and read it. You want me to Google this? Yeah. No. 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 Uh, we'll call it the Library of Congress, and then we'll we'll re-update it in the uh, the comment section. But you can go and read it, and you see how it's structured. And you saw, I saw that it was a multi-protagonist story, and I was like, this is really cool. This is interesting. And she had just won the uh, Emmy for Lena Waithe just won the Emmy for Masters of None, mm-hmm. the Thanksgiving episode. And I just watched that uh, before I went to go see the screening. I had all this stuff to, to do and research. And I didn't watch the one thing that she won the Emmy for. And it was, a, you know, like, you got good things going for you, but you forget that, like, as an actor, you still have a life. You know, like, most people are like, oh, everything's going well. You must be, like, in a really good spot. And I had a few weeks there where I was just, like, down in the dumps, and I put it on. And I had never laughed so hard at an episode and also felt for all of the characters and saw like a relation with all of them. Um, and I'm pretty sure my neighbors thought I was like losing my mind or something. Cause I'm like rolling off the floor laughing by myself. Right. Um, and, uh, so yeah, when I read the script initially, I was like, yeah, this is, this is special. Um, but and I once you got into it, yeah. Like, Holy shit. Yeah. And watching uh, Jason Mitchell and working with him. Oh my God. It's like, master class and mm-hmm. uh, Natare um, who plays Ronnie on the show he was always around set and you know meeting him and talking to him and seeing how focused he was and paying attention to storylines that he's not even really in this cast is great oh it's unbelievable There's, you can just go on and on um, this cast is great to the point where there are parts where it's like watching a documentary it feels so real mm-hmm. yeah I don't know a single weak link in the cast which is special Love it. All right, so let's let's take a little step back. Yeah. Uh, in Chicago, we talked about the fact that you lived out of your Jeep. Times, yeah. times are tough for working actors. Um, <laughs> you have a strong comedic background. I do, yeah. Oh, that's nice. Thank you. I, I mean, sec- <laughs> Second City, uh, Annoyance, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Upright Citizens. Yeah, yeah, and those are like training and stuff. Uh, I was telling you earlier, I listened to that Michael Shannon interview about like, he was like, why do people think I'm so intense? And he said, it's because I followed the acting rules, you know, like raise the stakes, enunciate, um, care deeply, uh, pick up the pace, etc. And I I feel the same way. I don't usually do as comedic work you know that's mm-hmm. not what brings in the bills that's for sure but um yeah i've trained at ucb in new york uh as an improviser and i feel like that's when i'm doing my best work is when i don't when i take a small part of a script and i could just go for you know whatever ideas come to me and that's what i did for a little while to make money was i worked as a creative consultant which was all about just generating as many ideas as possible and not mm-hmm. being precious about them right um just having that fearlessness like just Totally. I'm going to put this out there. And if I don't say this one thing that's on my mind, I'm not going to get to the next thing. Right. You know, it's just going to be st- stuck there, and it's going to be the thing that's, you know, keeping me from it. But I, I make, uh, I have an improv reel out there, which is just me sitting on the toilet, uh, did a commercial for a bidet company. <laughs> and they just said, they, they were great. They uh, said go. And there's a, there's a little special on 
uh, Bruce Almighty um, mm-hmm. back behind the scenes. It's like working with the process of Jim Carrey. And they just put him into a, a scenario and they say play. And, you know, there's like a 10 minute clip of him finding a million different ways to light a candle. Yeah. You know, and that's for me, like, I love playgrounds. I love props. I love, you know, messing around. And so they put me into this public bathroom stall and I just played with toilet paper for a good 20 minutes before they yelled cut. And at first I was like, this, none of this is funny because I'd rarely do stuff on camera that's hilarious, mm-hmm. you know, but nobody can laugh. Right. You know, everyone's supposed to be silent so that you don't ruin the take. And so after the first, like, minute of, like, feeling like I was bombing, I just said, screw yeah, it. because you're not getting anything back. No. So it's probably just weird. Fun. Yeah. It, it, once you realize that, you're like, oh, I could just have fun. Yeah. Because I've already felt like I've bombed, so, like, no, everything's uphill from here. Yeah, 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 all bets are off. Totally. And so they were nice enough to share that with me. I don't think any of it got used in the commercial, maybe a little bit of it, but they shared it with me. And I was able to be like, that is who I am as an actor at my, my best. I work a lot with, um, I've been blessed to work with a lot of writers on new sh- new scripts and new projects that they're working on. I worked on Wake with Bryn Mannion in New York, who had just been nominated for a Pulitzer the year before um, for Force, a trilogy. I worked with um, Stephen Karam um, on The Humans when they were doing it over at American Theatre Company. And I love working with new writers because it's like, um, it's still uh, in the process of being formed and, and your decisions and the way that you uh, connect to that material really brings that material to life. Um, I just did DOA with Elizabeth Lovelady at Straw Dog two years ago, which is a rehashing of the old DOA movie. Uh, yeah. There's two of them, right? There's one, I think, Dennis Quaid in the 80s, yeah. and then there's one in the 30s. That's the first one I saw. Yeah, it's great. We watched it, too. It was mm-hmm. fucking hilarious. Um, but, uh, you know, I... I really, that's where I feel like I'm meant to be is working on new material with writers. And uh, I don't know, like, I, I feel like I'm at home when I'm able to bring that side of things to it. That's cool. You mentioned Michael Shannon. I have one Michael yeah. Shannon story, and it's not even a good story. <laughs> this was probably 2012. I was in New York. I was speaking on some panel at a convention there, and I was at the airport early. And I saw Michael Shannon standing there. And this is before we had peak Shannon. Yeah. Um, I'm also a huge comic book dork. I love comic books. I've loved them since I was a kid. And I knew that he was going to play General Zod in Man of Steel. <laughs> so this is before the, the Henry Cavill m- movie came out. Mm-hmm. And I went up to him. I'm like, sorry to bug you, Mr. Shannon. I'm really excited for Man of Steel. And he said, oh, thanks. And that's my Michael Shannon story. <laughs> No, similar. Uh, I, I saw him after the premiere of uh, a play at Steppenwolf, and I went up to him and I was like, um, I love Take Shelter. And he was like, oh, okay, thanks. <laughs> like, oh, God. I could tell. I could cool. share stories like this all night long. Yeah, totally. <laughs> We're going to one-up each other with uh... <laughs> So I met this guy, and he said hello back. And then he stabbed the guy. There's that old comedian's joke. Uh, oh, yeah. Anyways. So, all right. So, comedic background aside, yeah. you've, it seems like you've had your hand in a bunch of things, a, a lot of shit. Uh, you also have a movie coming out this year. Yeah, yeah. So, um, first, like, major motion picture with a large theatrical release. Uh, it's going to be Captive State, um, uh, directed by Rupert Wyatt um, and co-written by Erica Bini, um, uh with John Goodman. And I got to... Wait, stop right there. Yeah. The, Rupert Wyatt sounds yeah. familiar. How do I know that name? Uh, he did. Um, he did one of the uh, Planet of the Apes, of course. He did mm-hmm. the Escapist. 
Yes, uh, okay. He, he did like a short film that I fell in love with a long time ago, and it was about a photographer, um, two photographers in a uh, war zone, I think Libya, maybe. Um, and it's about choosing what to shoot and what not to shoot, what is precious, what is not, mm-hmm. and the decisions that you you have when you have a weapon in your hand, which is a camera. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he did the escapes. He did, uh, what's that? Oh, God, what is that movie? Um, the Gambler with Mark Wahlberg. Oh, yeah. He did that yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. with John Goodman's in yep. that as well. Um, and so I got to work on that with uh, John Goodman, which was Yeah, there's awesome. the segue. John Goodman's in this movie. With <laughs> yeah, and he's great. Um, it's a uh, sci-fi story. Now, how did Goodman feel about co-starring in a movie with you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was no, livid, you know. He had to share that. No, he was great. Now, uh, I, I, know, I know the answer to this already, but yeah. how cool is that, dude? Oh, no, no doubt. Somebody said it the other day. They're like, you know, they heard an interview that I did, and they were like, yeah, and then you just casually dropped that you worked with Sophia Bush. And I was like, I never really realized that, like, I I never took a step back to say, oh, I'm working with these people that are amazing and, and well-known, and, and, I'm, and I'm having, you know, good, good experiences with them, which is top-notch. I haven't had one, like, terrible experience with a star yet, which is good, you know? Well, and, I mean, now that you're on this Showtime show, you're mm-hmm. in this movie, I think people will be saying that about Mickey O'Sullivan. Hope so, yeah. I just hope it's, like, uh, uh, great to work with and good to be around and a good human. Um, well, and so does t- decent work, too, you know? So t- tell me about this movie. Yeah. Because it sounds cool. Um, I feel like I should grab the, uh, the synopsis uh, out of the Google machine right now, but I won't. Um, it's a sci-fi movie about um, Chicago, um, an area where... Uh, God, how, how do I do this without ruining something that they haven't announced yet? Let's let's look it up. We're gonna break the rule here. Okay. Yeah, doing um, right. You have to be really careful about like plot points. You can't. Yeah, I don't want to ruin anything for anybody. Um, is it one of those movies where just a description is a spoiler? If you don't have the right description, absolutely. It's gonna right. be it's gonna be one of those. Uh, it's a great little. Right, sci-fi so, movie. so don't say that much about it. But yeah. John Goodman is such a terrific actor. Totally. Rupert and, Wyatt and Eric Meany too. Yeah. And so and that comes out when? Uh, it comes out in August. I think it's like August thirteenth or sixteenth. Um, so that'll be a lot of fun. Um, I'm really excited to And, and that was that, that shot here? Yeah, it shot here. Um, do you, another do you refuse one to scripts. do anything that shoots outside of Chicago? <laughs> no, uh, I'm, I welcome it. I think uh, somebody just contacted me from Canada, and I'm like, come on, get me up in Canada. I love Canada. Oh, yeah, me too. I'm a big hockey fan, so that'd be oh, yeah. awesome. It's so funny. I don't know I don't know shit about hockey. But, <laughs> and there was a period of time I was doing some consulting work, mm-hmm. and I'd, I'd fly to Canada maybe once, twice a month. Yeah. And I would jump into a cab, and inevitably, the cab driver would say, oh, where are you from? And I'd say, oh, from Chicago. And this is when the Hawks were hot. One of the years. Oh, yeah. And they'd want to start talking hockey. They'd want to start talking about the Blackhawks. <laughs> they'd start naming names of guys oh. who I didn't even realize were on the team, like who didn't even get active play. And I'd have to fake it, and I'd say, you know, I'm really kind of a baseball fan more than anything. How, how about those Jays? I, was, I would try to like steer the steer the conversation, and the Blue Jays. And they'd always so bring it yeah. back to you. Right? Uh-huh. <laughs> they'd always I, bring I it back tried. to the Hawks. But yeah, I mean, hockey is for real. That is. It is uh, like football in Texas, right? Yes, absolutely. Uh, I'm actually going up to Minnesota with my brother at the beginning of next month to go to the high school state championships up in Minnesota because, like, the the high school hockey, the level of competition up there is insane. They're so good. Like, you can when when I hear high school championships, yeah. The first thing I think of, and this is because I'm a parent, is I bet there are a lot of shithead parents in that crowd. Oh, absolutely. I bet there are a lot of assholes in that that audience. No doubt. Just mean, mean. Parents. What's interesting too is like those are scouted heavily. Oh, I bet they are. You know, like here it's like you, you, if you go and play AAA or juniors, you, you'll see scouts there. But at the 
um, Minnesota State Championships. It's like suits everywhere, suits and clipboards everywhere. Um, and so I think like the parents are on, on display too. So I don't know. I'm oh, interested yeah. to see how that affects. Um, but yeah, hockey's expensive. It's so expensive. These parents are. If I'm sure they feel like they've invested so much that like personally and emotionally they're probably pretty invested too. You know. Uh, my son plays high school baseball. He's played baseball since he oh, was no a kid. Kidding. Loves doing it. But to your point, like, gear is expensive. Yeah. And there was a big fundraiser his team did. And he raised a lot of money, and everyone who raised over a certain amount was entered into a raffle. He won the raffle, and he won a brand new bat. And it's like this kick-ass $500 aluminum <laughs> bat. is that crazy? And I was, I can't tell you, I was more excited mm. than him mm-hmm. because it meant I didn't have to find the money to buy him a new bat. Yep. Because I knew it was time. He needed a new one. And how do you know that with bat, baseball? How do you know that? Sorry. That he needs a new bat. Like, I don't know how that... Well, I, I knew it because he told me. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, he needed a longer bat. He's a yeah. tall kid. He's like six foot three, and he sure. needed something with... I know, it's, it's crazy. He needed something with a little more... No, I mean, that makes sense. It's the same with hockey sticks, you know? Like, I, I knew I needed a new hockey stick when it broke, but... Um, so do, do, you, do you still play when you can? You know, I used to have worked down at Johnny's Ice House mm-hmm. uh, in the pro shop down there, and um, that was, like, the last time I truly played consistently. But it's it's expensive. I need new yeah. skates, and they're like six hundred bucks. And you're like, hey, anybody out there want to sponsor Mickey O'Sullivan? Get him some new skates and gear, because <laughs> it's uh, I, or else I can't I can't play. You know, like I can't go and yeah, that's bring a GoFundMe. No one wants to. Help. Yeah, totally, yeah. totally. But you like even in Chicago, it's hard because I don't have a car anymore. That Jeep yeah. died away, and you got a lot of smelly ass gear. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Bad smell. I don't mind it, but most people think it's you know foul. And you have yeah, to bring that part on of the that bus. world that's a little arresting. Totally. And try bringing that on the bus at, during rush hour in the morning, and people are like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> Get off the fucking bus, you know? Yeah, right. So, no, I don't play as much anymore. I got a shinny hockey set over at my house, so I'm always picking the corners, you know, trying to keep my skills in shape, but that's about it. It seems to me mm-hmm. like you try to do a lot of different things. Like, it, you're you're one of those restless creative spirits. You yeah. want to keep moving forward. Where do you find challenges? Doing stuff I've never done before, and everything feels like a challenge to me in the sense that like you can always be better, and there are people who are doing it better than you, and so like seeking out new experiences and saying yes to them. Um, yeah. So like, what else is challenging to me right now? Going to the gym is challenging for me. <laughs> um, Wait, do you need to lose weight playing a chef? <laughs> in, in theory, like you, you probably don't need to look very Hollywood if you're playing a chef. No, uh, I get to sweat on that show too, and they yeah. don't wipe it off all the time. It's great, um, but no, I mean personally, like uh, I usually like there's a role that I played a few years ago. I played this fraternity leader, and uh, the director was like, "I was thinking blonde hair, but you're not blonde." And I was like, "Let's do it." And uh, so I'd like was, to transform. Was like it a to... douchebag character? Oh, yeah. I play a lot of those, too. Uh, <laughs> I had a lot of flip collars in, in high yes. school. I was a bit of an asshole. I'll admit it. Um, you know, I tried to, my best to be a, a good human, but I definitely fit the stereotype image of, you know, a douchebag uh, white guy, for sure. So, all right, we talked about coming up in the city and, mm-hmm. again, living out of the Jeep. For someone listening to this podcast who is an up-and-coming up and actor, maybe doing some work in a storefront theater, trying to make his or her way. Yeah. What's that piece of advice? As someone who has kind of broken through, Yeah. what, what do you say to that person? It's all time. So, you know, um, 
not only do you have to be doing it all the time, um, but it has to be your priority. And then you, you're just putting, you just got to stick in it for long enough for those experiences to generate into other experiences. And, you know, let those seeds hash, hash ugh, let those seeds grow. So my thought is put in enough work before somebody gives you an opportunity so that you're ready to knock it out of the park when you do get that opportunity and that you can actually enjoy the experience instead of just be so freaked out by the pressure. And and you're right. And I think this is true of so many different industries. I think there are people who get to a certain point that they really are excited to be at, but they're always waiting for that other shoe to drop. Like Mm -hmm. they, they don't have that confidence built up that they're always waiting for something to break bad on them. Everybody as an actor, People need you to be in those projects, too. And so, like, making yourself not only available for them, but seeking those people out that are creating yeah. and stuff and, and being around those people. You know, I had a friend who was, he's an enormously talented guy, and he has a lot of conf- confidence issues. And he was like, yeah, I just don't know if I'm, you know, uh, as good as these people or this or that. And I was like, they keep you around, right? Like, you know, people don't keep people around that are negative uh, influences on their life, unless they're enabling, right? But, like... They typically, uh, I surround myself with people that I believe in, that that inspire me, that uh, um, are always like trying new things and working towards it, and trying to be the best person that they are. And so, if if you're in that circle, or if you are, if you have somebody um, in your circle who's not doing so well, confidence wise, you know, just remind them that like they're a part of that orbit with you, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, get out and do work and create work on your own. I mean, now's the time to do it. Uh, you know, if you've got a camera to be an actor, if you want to get into TV and film and you you got a camera, you got a smartphone or whatever, set it up, write some stuff. You don't even have to memorize it. Just take a stick of tape and put it underneath the camera, press roll, and, uh, and create, you know, film your monologues. Practice that way. We do it as theater actors all the time. You know, we, we're constantly rehearsing monologues or memorizing things or reading plays, and we really have to be doing those things with TV and film, too, because it's yeah. a different medium. And you can do it. The resources are out there. You can go to um, online to, you know, like Breakdown Express or whatever and read the sides that are being auditioned right now. You don't have to be called in for it. You can read it. You can pay 66 bucks a, a year or whatever and have access to those things. And so, like, I always say, like, if you're not doing something, you know, it's not because somebody's... And this isn't always true. You know, there's a lot of problems with accessibility and, mm-hmm. and opportunities for people um, uh, in the arts. Um, but, like, there are resources out there for you to practice. You know, and you can go and get those. And if you're spending your time out at the bars late at night and you're spending your money that way, the little money that you're making as an right. actor, then you're not really ready to, you know, get offered a role in a film where, you know, uh, you don't have, <laughs> you have to move or whatever. Like, if you can't quit your job today and feel confident um, that the acting opportunity that's only going to pay you a fraction of what that other job could, mm-hmm. then um, what are you doing? Because you're asking for that opportunity as an actor, for the opportunity to like drop everything and focus on this role. And if the first one that comes around pays you $100 a day and you don't get that money, or it's deferred or whatever, it's free stipended, you know you have to still knock it out of the park. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so quit your job. Uh, no, uh, get a job where you feel comfortable calling in your boss and saying, hey, I'm the best employee when I'm there. Today I can't be there. Yeah. Um, and let them decide and no hard feelings. You got to be upfront and honest with people. Like, you know, but I always say it to my friends who are like prioritizing their day job. I'm like, your day job isn't prioritizing you. They're not. Like, if they were, you would have no question. You're going to keep that job. Exactly. Um, but if they're not, you know, 
uh, giving you benefits or if they're not giving you the things that you need um, in your life, um, you know, financially or stability-wise, um, and really giving it to you, not just like this half-ass, like, oh, it works, um, then you got to prioritize the thing that's going to bring you happiness and that's going to, you know, be aligned with what you want to do with your life. Or else you're going to be depressed, bitter, you know, um, old, and, and you're going to quit. Exactly. All right, so The Shy, <laughs> uh, season one ends when? Season one ends in four episodes. So four weeks, unless uh, there's a, you know. So as we're recording this, it's four weeks. So by the time this yeah. is out, probably two weeks. So mid-March yeah. is what you're saying? Yeah, that sounds about right. All right, and then uh, season two, is that is that locked? Season two is locked and ready to go. Ayanna Davis is the showrunner. Um, yeah, it's going to be pretty sweet. This is really exciting. Yeah, I'm freaking psyched, man. This, I, I'm so excited to have you here during season one, just as this is about to just. Yeah, and then season two, we're going to have to go to Sparky's. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I, that's fine, but I think it has to be a lunchtime recording. I think they're lunchtime only. Uh, I think you're right, yeah. All right, so, so we'll totally do that. Uh, Mickey, congratulations on already an awesome year. Thanks. Uh, I think you're a terrific talent, and uh, I'm really glad you, you led us here to diner food. Thank you very much, man. You're the best. We're shaking hands now. We are shaking hands. Because that's the true Chicago way, right? It's the true Chicago way. And again, we're Facebook friends. <laughs>